Hey there everyone, I'm Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice and in today's episode we're going to be talking about the lizard folk. But before I get into that, I do want to quickly address, yes, I did shave, and the reason is because t uh, this year I went as Judge Dredd for my Halloween costume and Judge Dredd does not have facial hair and when putting on the judge helmet I felt really silly having facial hair so I shaved it purely for that reason. Don't let anyone say I don't commit to things. But much like Amazon's The Boys, my beard will be coming back, but we do have to wonder when that will be and if it will be of the same quality that we're used to. But enough about that, let's get on with the episode. The lizard folk dwell within the sweltering jungles and the deep ancient swamps. Simply a monster for most of D&D's history, the lizard folk have been elevated to a player race so that new players can experience role-playing through their alien reptilian minds. Playing a lizard folk means seeing the world differently, seeing humanity differently. Role-playing a lizard folk can really stretch your acting muscles, and we're going to go over everything you need to know about them for gameplay purposes as well as role-playing purposes in today's episode. Most lizard folk live a savage existence. They form small tribes in wetlands, swamps, and sometimes deep in otherwise untouched jungles. They're rarely the sociable type, and the whole monster label is pretty appropriate for most of the time. They prioritize survival above everything else, and other races are usually just considered assets or resources to that end. Lizard folk aren't evil or stupid, they simply have a distinctly reptilian view of the world. Lizard folk don't tend to have lofty aspirations, evil schemes, or any real plans beyond surviving the next season. A lizard folk tribe might end up serving a priest to an evil god or become enslaved by a local draconic tyrant, but all they really want to do is survive and be left alone at the end of the day. Their allegiance is to themselves first, their tribe second, and to whatever promises the well-being of the first two. Lizard folk aren't exactly emotionless, it just seems like that to us warm-blooded, squishy human folk. They experience fear when a monster shows up, anger against a foe, fondness for a family member, and all that stuff. It's just that they take those emotions as a static input rather than a feeling of emotion. Basically, they take these feelings as a list of variables. Feelings to them are no different than other senses, and feeling sadness is no different than feeling hungry, which is a very abstract thought. They may go to great lengths to save an ally, but they won't be broken up afterwards if they fail. Lizard folk can learn to internalize these emotions from non-lizard folk, but it's like learning a foreign language, to put it lightly. It has remained a strong trend with 5e playable races to under-describe their appearance. In fact, nowhere in the 5e lizard folk section in Volo's Guide to Monsters does it even really give much of a description beyond like a lizard. This may seem like an oversight, but I assure you it's not. It's a feature, and a lot of players really prefer it this way. You know what a lizard looks like, and more importantly, you know what you want your lizard folk character to look like, so why should you have a description in a book tying you down? If you're having any trouble coming up with ideas, though, just do a quick Google image search of lizard or cool lizard, or even, if you want to get more specific, badass lizard, and I'm sure you could really come away with some good ideas. Lizard folk have draconic names, but they use very simple descriptive words for themselves. Usually they relate to a notable deed or action, and they can change many times throughout a lizard folk's life. Often they relate to the lizard folk's hunting style, a simple description, or a strong foe they manage to vanquish. Their names have no gender, and though their meanings are often simple, draconic is a complex language in itself, and the words are often quite long as a result. 
we'll throw some examples of what names you could go with up on screen so that you have a better idea of what we're talking about. Your Constitution score increases by 2 and your Wisdom score increases by 1, which is a pretty versatile boost. Constitution is good for literally any class, but the classes that will benefit from the Wisdom the most are Clerics, Druids, Monks, and Rangers. As for your age, lizard folk usually reach maturity around age 14 and rarely live longer than 60 years old. It's a little on the short side, but aside from some role-playing aspects, it's not really going to be an issue. As for alignment, most lizard folk are neutral. They see the world as a place of predators and prey where life and death are just natural processes. They wish only to survive and prefer to leave other creatures to their own devices. So very strongly neutral in at least some aspects. When it comes to size, lizard folk are a little bulkier and taller than humans, and their colorful frills make them appear even larger. Your size is medium, of course, and your base walking speed is 30 feet, and you actually have a swimming speed also of 30 feet. Combined with your hold breath ability, which we'll get into in a second, you're practically aquatic and are very much at home in the water. Speaking of which, you can hold your breath for up to 15 minutes at a time. Holding breath can have other uses as well, such as in a cloud of poisonous gas or other breathing hazards. Do keep in mind though, in order to keep certain spells with verbal components going, you're going to have to be able to talk, so holding your breath is not really conducive to that. You can, of course, use your fangs as a natural weapon, but as I've explained multiple times on this show in the past, natural attacks are nice, but are rarely all that useful outside of very certain situations. Speaking of situational abilities, you are also a cunning artisan as a lizard folk. I like this from a role-playing perspective, but in my experience, I haven't really gotten a lot of practical use out of this ability. Much like with your natural attack, unless your gear gets stolen and you're just dumped into the wilderness, you're really not going to get a lot of mileage out of this ability. But, like I said, I really like it from a role-playing perspective. Something that is a bit more useful is your hunter's lore, meaning that you gain proficiency with one of the two following skills of your choice. We'll list those up here. And skill proficiencies are just always nice, and you get to choose two, which is uh, extremely useful. I don't think I have to tell you. Just grab the one that you didn't get with your class or background, and you should be good to go. Lizard folk also have natural armor, thanks to that scaly skin that they have. It's good, but before you get any wise ideas about lizard folk monks, in 5e, you never stack AC calculations. You just use whatever the best is that you've got. So what's it good for exactly? Basically, you've always got something that's the equivalent of wearing a chain shirt, even if your class wouldn't have armor. If you have access to better armor anyway, it's useless, but if you'd normally be going around unprotected, this ability is an absolute godsend. Another ability that lizard folk have that I think adds a lot of role-playing into the mix is their Hungry Jaws ability. It doesn't do a lot of damage, and it doesn't get you a lot of healing, but it only takes a bonus action to use. So once per short rest, your two-handed fighter could just get a bite in and heal back a few points with absolutely no trouble. It's extremely nice to have, and you can see how it would be useful in certain situations more so than others, but like a lot of things that the lizard folk has, I mainly just like it from a role-playing perspective. And finally, as for languages, you can speak, read, and write in common and draconic, the latter being way more common than you might expect. Like I always mention on this show, you do not have to feel obligated to build your character a certain way, especially with a lizard folk where they can fit into a lot of roles better than most races could. However, if optimization is important to you, we do have some good starting points. Starting with the Lizard of Death, Constitution and Wisdom fit snugly into a cleric's wheelhouse. The constitution keeps you alive, and the wisdom powers up your spellcasting. 
That and the natural armor means that you can be a lot beefier in the cleric domains that don't get a lot of heavy armor proficiency. I really like the death domain for this build. It's a type of cleric that really wants to get into the thick of things, and your bite attack can be used in conjunction with your touch of death ability for really devastating results. And then we have the Leaping Lizard. The Lizard Folk's natural armor lines up surprisingly well for dexterity-based fighter builds. Max your dexterity up to 20, and your nimble dexterity fighter has the same AC as somebody lumbering around in full plate armor. Grab the Battlemaster archetype, a rapier and a shield, or a pair of short swords, and then just go to town as you sprint around your enemies. And then we have the Gecko Guru. Lizard Folk make amazing druids, as constitution and wisdom are exactly what they need and the natural armor ability lets them forget about armor altogether and focus on their other stats. Druids have the non-metal restriction and are often stuck with hide armor as their go-to. Druids have the non-metal restriction and are often stuck with hide armor as their go-to. Lizard Folk's base natural armor is just strictly better. I especially like the Circle of the Moon for Lizard Folk as that circle often has AC issues when not in wild shape and Lizard Folk just solves that problem perfectly. Let's end this video with some quick FAQs about the Lizard Folk, starting off with the fact that they do not have Dark Vision, though you would expect them to, and they also do not have surnames. Lizard Folk have very simple and descriptive names in Draconic that are typically a single word. They don't have family names of any kind, and they don't make any distinction between male or female names. Their single Draconic name will either simply represent something about them or a great deed or victory that they've accomplished, and it really doesn't go much further than that. And then finally, how tall are lizard folk? While this detail is strangely absent from their racial listing, other sources have kind of confirmed more or less that they're between six and seven feet tall. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. And if you're creating a lizard folk character that you're proud of or have made one in the past, I would love to hear about it down in the comments. I myself have ran into a ton of lizard folk in my time as a DM, so to pick my favorite would be kind of a futile effort as I just really like the lizard folk in general. Thanks again for watching. My name's Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.